Stay tuned now for Byline, a love story. And good morning, KZYX listeners. This is Alicia Bales. I'm live in the studio and on the Zoom with me is Bob Bashansky. Hey, Bob, good morning. Good morning, Alicia. And how are you this fine morning? I am excited. Both of us are here, the hosts of Byline Mendocino and Politics, a Love Story, the Friday morning 9 a.m. talk show. So we're calling it Byline, a Love Story. (laughs) fine (laughs) (laughs) and we have a thousand dollar goal for for this edition of politics love story slash byline mendocino with a hundred dollar challenge and so far we have already had uh, a two hundred dollar donation for this hour which uh brings us a little closer to our goal but has also and this is from anonymous we thank you very much anonymous but we've also finally busted through our halfway mark for the whole pledge drive. So we're at $50,113, which feels so good. Yes, and I'd like to say that uh, you could join Anonymous in helping to support and grow your station. And growing we are. Uh, I think by now most everyone has heard that uh, we have purchased a building in Ukiah. And it'll take us a while to get it ready, but then and we're not going to leave the Anderson Valley, but we will have a new building with a much greater reach because from downtown Ukiah, uh, we could get everybody to be able to listen without trees impeding our <laughs> signal. Right. It'll have a much more clear kind of view from our station transmitter line up to our tower on the mountain that broadcasts out to all of Mendocino County and beyond. So it's a very exciting upgrade. In fact, this year is going to be a really big year for KZYX, the upcoming year. It is. And um, I have to tell you, my wife is jealous. Meg Courtney was president of the board a few years ago. And the board did not work together. In fact, some of the board members worked against. Here, we now have a cohesive board. We have a wonderful staff uh, that is doing terrific work. And so that's why we're moving forward. And we need the help, continued help, of all our listeners and beyond. So uh, please, Continue to donate and uh, support KZYX at this kind of momentous time for us as a station. Go online to kzyx.org, click the donate button and make your donation. That way we've got a ton of thank you gifts that you can choose from. And also just the feeling of knowing that you're part of this station, that you that you have a stake in the station and that you, uh, you want it to do well and thrive, which we are all working together to make sure that that, that, that happens. Yes, we are. And we have a $100 challenge on the table from John and Debbie for this hour of Byline, a love story. Um, Bob, so our plan for this hour was to kind of, we always, the formats of our shows are that we interview other folks uh, about their work. And I interview journalists and you interview authors. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about our shows, but we also wanted to kind of interview each other about what we do. And I should also mention that when you say we've purchased a building, you're on the board of KZYX. So you've definitely been part of this effort uh, in the last year, year and a half or so. That's why I can talk um, pretty uh, 
truly about the boards because I was there when my wife was on the board and I saw what did or didn't happen. And here I'm in the middle of this and we have moved from a very low point to a nice, comfortable point. We're not at the pinnacle of where we could be, but we're hoping to get there because right now everybody, as I said, is working together. And it's just so wonderful to have all these people that are doing things. So, uh, and the staff, of course, we have changed a number of people and everyone is doing terrific work. Everyone, including you. Well, Alicia. thank you. Well, I'm the program director here for people who um, who may not listen all the time or may not know the ins and outs of what happens here at the station. So my responsibility is basically uh, everything that you hear on the air. I'm, you know, it's... It's my job to make sure that it's a great mix and that uh, we're recruiting and training wonderful uh, new programmers and supporting the other programmers who have been here for uh, for decades. And, you know, it's it's a fabulous job. I love my job. It is a huge job and sometimes stressful. But even at the most stressful times, I, I'm so glad to be here. It's just kind of like my dream job. In a lot of ways, and especially love um, hearing from everybody. You know, it's a very meaningful role to be in, and people are so generous in their appreciation of everything that we do here at KZYX, and and they tell me, and I just it just feels so gratifying. Well, seeing and hearing your enthusiasm, uh, you could see that you really love your job, <laughs> and you almost always have a smile. Uh, so it, that's really terrific. Uh, you're welcoming to all of us. And that's nice to have. I have a tremendous respect for the work that everybody does around here. You know what I mean? We are predominantly volunteers. So people who are putting the programming together on the on the air and also people who volunteer off the air as well, they're they're donating their time. They're doing it for love. And I just have so much respect for that. You know, I mean, I also think it's great that the, that the staff, you know, we can make a living working here full time. But the fact that people are willing to work here uh, for love to, to produce the fantastic music shows and the um, amazing. I'm, I mean, I'm blown away by the public affairs shows these days, like it, the range of topics, the amount of knowledge it's mind-blowing. It's almost, you know, we started a podcast so that people can subscribe to the public affairs shows. It's called KZYX Public Affairs. You can get it on Spotify and Apple uh, Apple Podcasts and, and all those places, wherever you get podcasts. But when you scroll through the list of public affairs shows that, that people are doing here, it's it's really remarkable. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of gobsmacked by it so we really are a tremendously lucky community to have this many people uh involved in this radio station and working so hard to get out the stories of and the information about all of these different topics and you know from ecology to economics it's um it's really cool and let's let me ask you about politics a love story bob because you're one of those public affairs programmers that i'm just so blown away by um what as, why did you name your show Politics a Love Story? Well, I, I've had a, a really deep interest in politics, and I like to read about it, speak about it, uh, listen about it. Uh, I mean, 
I read two newspapers from cover to cover every day, the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. I uh, go through 25 to 30 websites a day, picking out stories that are, are interesting to me and how I got here. Uh, John Cote, former general manager of the station, was left alone during the week while his wife, Hillary, worked down in Vallejo for Sutter. And she had suggested when we socialized one time, why don't you invite John to dinner during the week? Because he gets very lonely. And so we did. He was in Little River. And uh, we had a few, a few dinners and a few conversations. And one of them, he said, you know, this is a very left-leaning county. He said, but our member of Congress won with 72% uh, of the vote. Well, what about the other 28%? Who's going to speak to, with, and for them? He said, market segmentation is a good thing to think about, but we have nobody to do a, a more uh, conservative conversation. And he said, what about you, Bob? Why don't you write up a proposal? And I did, and I submitted it to Mary Eigner, and she said, you know, that sounds like an interesting idea. How would you like to have Friday morning at nine o'clock? I said, whoa, okay. And my first guest was Paul Kemp, brother of the late Jack Kemp, who was a vice presidential candidate along with Bob Dole. Uh, and so that's how we started. And he came from a long line of Republicans uh, born in Pasadena. Uh, but things change. Uh, Jared now gets about 78% of the vote. Jared Huffman, and, our congressman. Yes. And so it's harder to find um, locally people who can speak well and explain their positions. So at one point, I was kind of stuck vamping. And uh, a former programmer, uh, Stuart Campbell, said, why don't you uh, speak to the publicist for Princeton University Press who has a lot of political books. And so he put me in touch and I started getting books. And then I get books now from Harvard, Yale, uh, Columbia, and uh, University of Chicago Press. Plus, now I'm getting books unsolicited by, pro by uh, publicists that I had worked with in the past. So I try to pick out some that are a little bit more conservative, but it's getting harder and harder to do because... The, all the interesting books are done by people who are either in the middle or more to the left. So uh, that's how I got started. That is such yeah. a surprise to me to hear that because, uh, yeah, the topics that you cover on Politics a Love Story do not strike me as conservative politics anymore. You've sort of evolved, especially through the Trump era, I believe. You've been quite outspoken in your um, disgust for what's happening on the Republican side of things uh, nationally. And um, you and Phil Worf do a fifth Friday live discussion of all things political. And there's been a lot of really great analysis there about uh, the challenges to democracy and the rise of right wing extremism in the country. It's really, really valuable stuff. Well, let me mention about another evolution. Um, when uh, 2016, I expected it would be an 11-month show, and after the election, there would be nothing much to talk about. But after all of the candidates were chosen for both the Green, Libertarian, Republican, and Democratic parties, I asked a representative, uh, people who leaned that way, to come on the show when I had 
uh, Dan Hamburg was the green part. No, he was. Yeah. No, the. Um, no, he was the libertarian person. I had somebody from the Green Party. And then I asked Paul to be the Republican speaker. And he said, uh, I'm sorry, Bob, I can't do that. I said, why not? He said, well, the Republican candidate is somebody I could never vote for. Mm-hmm. He said, in addition, I just want you to know this, but I'm raising money for Hillary. So there has been an evolution in many ways, not just with me, right. but the important and interesting topics are not necessarily those on the right, unless you're talking about what's happening on the right, which is not good for democracy. Right. In the time that since you've started your show, uh, politics has veered in a quite startlingly different direction than you might have expected. It's like you almost want to have a chapter or a couple of years in there where it's politics, a horror story. You know, it's like it's it's horrifying in a lot of ways and, and pretty scary. Well, I lost four breakfast bets because I expected that if Donald Trump lost, he was going to resign and ask Pence to pardon him. Oh, you mean in in 2020? Yeah, but who would have thought that he was going to try to overthrow the election? I could never have conceived of that because in 242 years, there has always been a peaceful transition from one chief executive to the other. Never has there been a situation like this. So I lost four breakfasts, but I, uh, because you're truly I, I, an optimist, Bob. I, I am. <laughs> After the third I, one, you might have thought, well, I don't know, maybe a safer bet would be <laughs> go with the insurrection. But no, <laughs> yeah, we came close to losing it all if the people who were involved were. Uh, better organized and smarter, uh, we might not be sitting here talking about this. Yeah, that's one thing about neo-Nazis and Proud Boys is we can't say that they're smart or well-organized. But man, when they get fueled by a demagogue at the top who clears the way for them, uh, they can do a lot of a lot of terrible damage to our society. And, and we're, we're seeing that right now, along with this sort of hand-wringing about what to do about it uh, from all levels of government. Um, yeah, well, what do you think? Would well, you have hope? I mean, do you think that anybody's going to step forward and do something meaningful to stop this kind of veering toward authoritarianism? Well, all of these voting rights bills that have been passed by the House, um, but so far not passed in the Senate, could make a difference because extreme partisan gerrymandering is a big problem in this country do you realize that we have 50 senators on the democrats side and 50 senators on the republican side but the the democrats represent 40 million more people how is that fair uh and the fact that a, a a state like wyoming uh and california each have two senators but California is 40 million people, and I think Wyoming has about a million. So uh, there's kind of a, a, an off-balance part there. I don't think we're going to change the Senate, but we certainly could change the, uh, the voting districts for the House. Uh, and that's one of the things, especially with a bipartisan uh, redistricting commission in every state that's one of the bills i don't know if it's uh, hr1 that may do that but certainly that would get things better and i think that the, the republicans fear that yeah because if they had to 
play on an even playing field, they would lose. Yeah, it appears that they have decided to give up on the possibility of actually earning a majority of the vote and try to subvert the democratic process entirely because they know they can no longer win a popular election. Well, where are the Republicans with their new policies that would attract people to vote for them? There are none. There's a paucity of thought uh, on the Republican side, and they used to be the party of ideas. Teddy Roosevelt started the national park system. Richard Nixon, of all people, started the EPA. I mean, there have been good things done. Oh, and what about Lincoln? Uh, and, what about he, Lincoln? Yeah, he was the first Republican president. Before <laughs> that, he had stuff. been a week in Congress. Well, let's take a moment to remind our listeners that we are in our fall fundraising drive. It is day five of seven days of our fundraising drive here at KZYX. This is Byline a Love Story. We have the hosts of both Friday morning public affairs shows here. I'm Alicia Bales. I host Byline Mendocino here with Bob Bashansky, who is the host of Politics a Love Story. Bob is also a board member here at KZYX. And we are here to ask you to support the morning public affairs shows and all of the programming here at KZYX. And I just want to point out that one of the improvements uh, to KZYX that would be helped by your donations is the fact that the board has now approved a, uh, a news director for the station. And I wanted to ask you at the end of this little statement about you, Alicia, what you think about this. But we have had every survey that we've ever done, any question that we've ever asked of how to improve the station, it was more local news. And so the board has now approved that as a budget item for this upcoming year. So, Alicia, how excited are you about this? Well, I am over the moon about this. It has been a priority of mine since my very, even before I got the job. It was something I had in mind when I applied to be program director here that I wanted to both, um, uh, increase the local news and also create a news department where we could start to build a local daily newscast and kind of the context is first of all i remember when kzyx had a daily local newscast i also spent time living in southern humboldt kmud has a tremendous local newscast that is required listening for everyone in the community we just turned the radio on at six o'clock every day to hear what was going on in the community but also the larger context of sort of the demise of local media uh, and media in general in the united states in the last 10 to 15 years blamed on the internet in large part but really much there's other forces that are causing the diminishment of our uh, of our journalism both local and national um, and especially with like increasing polarization and you know sort of siloization of of journalism uh, and local media is really the media that folks trust the most and I think you can really see that with our coverage our coronavirus coverage you know with uh, Dr. Drew Colfax being here every Monday afternoon from three to four o'clock it's like you know you'll hear and see and read different things about the coronavirus but when dr colfax you know says it then i trust it 
for some reason, you know, because I know him and I trust him and he's local and I don't uh, I don't feel like he has any sort of um, ulterior motives or anything like that. Not that any of the other spokespeople or journalists do either. It's just that he's he's close. You know, he's like he's from here. And I think that's a lot of uh, why people turn to local radio uh, because they trust they trust us. We, we're, you know, we're, we're here, we're local, we're in the community. So given that, um, I, f- I just feel strongly that it's important to have one of the primary things that KZYX does, uh, we should be producing local news. And so um, I've worked hard over the last couple of years to, along with Marty and Sarah Reith, to build up the local news offering. Um, and we have done, you know, a tremendous amount of work uh, building up what we do have. And then I'm looking forward to, in the next year uh, to hiring a news director and actually building a, a more sort of official news department that can start to be one of the voices in the community, one of the local news sources that, that you can turn to for ongoing coverage about a number of beats. Um, and one of the things that is built into the proposal that the board approved a couple of months ago to hire a news director is to figure out how to create bilingual local news. So we are going to be looking for a bilingual news director who can who can produce stories or at least um, be part of directing the production of news stories that come both from the English-speaking and the Spanish-speaking communities here. Uh, we have a substantial monolingual Spanish-speaking community here, and we need to hear from that community. Uh, we can't allow that community to be marginalized uh, without any, uh, you know, voice on our airwaves. We need to hear from them translated and interpreted into English. And we also need to uh, have our emergency information, our political coverage, all of that needs to be translated into Spanish as well so that we all move forward together on equal footing and nobody in our community is allowed to be marginalized, at least not on KZYX airwaves. So you can kind of see I have, I'm very excited. I, I, I'm very effusive about it. I'm, I just cannot wait to, I know it's going to be a lot of work, but as you said, it's what the listeners want. They tell us, you all tell us that you want more local news and we are so looking forward to the process of providing that for you. And the good thing about uh, trying to bring out the news in Spanish as well is that, what, a third of our county is Spanish-speaking? At least and 25%, yes. Well, in, in Fort Bragg, it's better than 33%, mm-hmm. and yet... We have no one on the city council who is Spanish speaking. And I think, I don't know, I don't understand why, but maybe if we had more news explaining what's going on, maybe we would have somebody that would at least run. So, uh, yeah, yeah that I mean, that's what I mean by marginalized, by allowing the community to be marginalized. I mean, we learned through the pandemic and through the, emer- the fires that we've that we've experienced over the last you know, five or so years uh, longer than that, that um, the emergency information and pandemic information wasn't really available in Spanish. 
I mean, these are life or death situations for people, and there was just a meager amount of information for for people, um, almost nothing about emergencies and very little about the pandemic, and despite the valiant efforts of uh, Jackie Orozco, who is a local Latina Spanish language journalist, I mean, valiantly pushing and asking and pushing and, you know, asking the county to provide this information. So we did what we could to fill that gap. You know, we we definitely have been working to provide emergency information in real time in Spanish with an incredible collective of translators, the traductoras who's come together to to provide that to KZYX. So you'll hear fire information in English and then immediately following it, you'll hear it in Spanish. And it's, you know, high quality translation. It's clear, uh, not confusing. It's not Google Translate. It's by professionals who, who know how to make this information clear. And... Um, and the same with the pandemic information. We've been trying to provide both Mendo Latino on Monday mornings has done a ton of Spanish language um, pandemic updates with Dr. Corin and, and many other experts, um, Lucretia Renteria from Mendocino Coast Clinics and many others, um, George Verastigi from uh, the county from WIC. They've all been just doing tremendous coverage of, of the pandemic. And also Jackie Orozco from Periodico Al Punto has done sort of a regular interview with Dr. Corin that we broadcast at 5 a.m. on Monday mornings, trying to catch folks uh, who might be on their way to work if they're agricultural workers and have to get there super early. We've got, you know, that 5 a.m. hour on Monday mornings with pandemic information in Spanish. So, you know, we're, we're doing what we can, but I really look forward to hiring this news director to sort of shore it up uh, a little more and, and make it a little bit more... Um, you know, a little bit more substantial, you know, a little bit more strategic. We're going to, you know, we try something and then we get information back, you know, we get feedback about how it's working and then we adjust and, you know, sort of move forward that way. So, yeah, it's it's an exciting time and there's a whole lot of room to grow here at KZYX. Let's go ahead and give those numbers again. Want to? Go online to kzyx.org and push the donate button. We have a $1,000 goal for this hour of byline, a love story. Uh, and we're so far, we're up to $300. So that's pretty good. We got $700 more to go in the next 32 minutes. Yeah. And uh, so help us have that dollar value grow. KZYX.org. If you appreciate uh, this kind of hyper-local live occasionally call in but mostly you and i don't do call in shows on this friday morning slot but we are talking with uh very informed people that is my goal for byline mendocino um the the kind of the format of the show is a local media roundtable so i'm inviting local reporters and journalists uh to talk about the week's local issues um, partly because we didn't have a newscast we have we do have tremendous local reporting uh, but it's it's one story a day that we air at 7.45, 8.45, and 6 p.m. Um, and it's a six-and-a-half-minute story. It's an in-depth coverage of a local issue, but it's not a... Uh, on, on a daily basis, you don't get a breadth of stories, right? So at the end of the week, I wanted to just have local journalists from lots of different local outlets talking about their reporting and giving us a heads up about the, the headlines happening here in Mendocino. And we've talked with... Um, 
folks i've talked with a bunch of reporters at the santa rosa press democrat too so all the way down to santa rosa but they're also covering a lot of mendocino issues i've talked with uh, folks in lake county folks up in southern humboldt and, and northern humboldt the coal train issue uh, you know is the, mm. that story was yep. broken by the um, the lost coast outpost so I, I talked with the reporter who broke that story about the potential of this mysterious coal company using the smart rail and the and the uh, north coast rail authority to haul hundred car long coal train through the eel river canyon in mendocino county you know all these kinds of issues that if people if these journalists weren't covering it we we would not know about these outrageous plans and these crazy events going on in in our community but even smaller stories uh, but important ones we'll say to the coast uh, I have made a transition a couple of years ago when things happened here, power outage or uh, internet outage because a truck had pulled the line and stretched it to the point where it wasn't working well. We didn't know about it listening to KZYX. We had to listen to a local station to find out. And that was that was bad. I mean, being on the board and not being able to get it from our station well, that's changed because of all these things that you have talked about doing. We now know that we can get the update information, updated information about local stuff here on the coast that have gone wrong or that we should avoid certain areas. So uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, I can now maintain my uh, homey uh, values here <laughs> at AZYF. Well, and I really think that uh, it... I like to be very collaborative with the other local stations and papers. Um, you know, we have really good relationships with um, a lot of the, the local newspapers. And I interviewed Joe Rogalski from KOZT for Byline Mendocino. I'm just fascinated by what everybody is doing. And I don't think any one news source can provide everything, although we certainly do what we can here at KZYX, you know, and, and, and it's, our, it's our mission to provide a variety and a diverse voices and serve the diverse communities that live here. So, you know, we have a lot of freedom and latitude and potential to to do a lot. But I still think all of the all of the local outlets are crucial. And I really want um, I really want everybody to know about them and to know the reporters and to follow the different stories. We have a lot of different sort of communities here, from Willits to you know Cleone, that have very important stories happening in them. And you know, I interviewed. Um, a scholar from Boston who is a scholar of uh, local journalism. And one of the things that he said to me that just blew me away was that in small towns that don't have a local paper or a local radio station, um, the insurance rates for the municipalities are higher because it's more likely that there's going to be corruption and and like you know nefarious kind of legal activity going on you know lawsuits that they'll be um you know that they'll be required to do pay you know pay damages for because there's nobody watchdogging them and they can get away with stuff that's really uh not cool and so i thought that was so interesting that you can quantify there's like a monetary like consequence of not having local media in a community that's that's really looking at what um, the local governments are doing. And lo- lately, I've been noticing that you know when 
certain when you know officials or um, in this case um, the timber companies are getting calls from several journalists about what's going on like recently um, uh, Mendocino Redwood Company was in the news for hiring uh, private security and Sarah Reith did a story uh, for KZYX about um, Lear Security being hired by Mendocino Redwood Company or Mendocino Forest Products as one of their subsidiaries um, to basically be out in the woods because of the protests in Jackson Demonstration State Forest. Well, they weren't calling her back until another journalist started calling them too. And then at that point... Sarah got a call back. You know, it was like it took a couple of calls from journalists going, what is going on out there? Um, are you hiring armed security? Oh, no, 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 he wasn't armed. He wasn't armed. You know, they they felt like they had to respond once they started getting a few uh, calls from a few different journalists. At least that was the impression that we got. So, you know, it matters. It really matters when uh, they are in a position where they need to answer these questions. And now that print media has left the coast, basically, uh, the Advocate and Beacon have no longer uh, are no longer in their building that they had moved to a number of years ago. So there is no print media here on the coast. There are people that still produce a newspaper, but it's not done here. And there are no on-the-coast uh, reporters, I believe. So we need uh, radio to be able to get that news uh, and to stimulate and take the place of the on uh, the on-site news reporter that we used to have, we used to have some interesting stories done here by the various uh, reporters and editors, but we don't have that anymore. And it wasn't so, yes. that long ago either. It was. A very, very few years ago that we had a number of reporters on the coast and inland and they had beats and, you know, we were following issues that they were covering, particularly, um, you know, like local meetings, uh, you know, and, and, and issues. And now it's like we need it more than ever. I mean, we're in this catastrophic drought. We have fires. We have, you know, uh, this incredible, uh, I mean, Climate change is, is here, and we need, to, as a society, to be grappling with the changes that we need to make in order to both survive and hopefully curtail some of the worst effects of, of climate change. Like, we need to be talking to each other and communicating more than ever, basically for our survival. So it's like at the very worst time, the the media sort of collapsed around us. Um, but there's some very exciting things going on Uh in its place, like I don't know if you've noticed, but the press Democrat is doing some incredible, uh, basically kind of reorganization and reprioritization, and they they're they're an example of a local paper that seems to be doing quite well. Although of course they're not up here anymore; they used to have bureaus up here on the coast and inland. Um, but but there are some some hopeful things going on. I think KZYX is one of those hopeful things as well. I agree. So let me get to a question for you. Uh, You've partially answered this, but I'm going to ask the whole question so that you can give me the full answer. What did you have in mind when you developed your idea for Byline Mendocino? Well, yeah, like I said, I was really, really wanting to hear and cultivate local news on the station. 
right? And sort of the first thing that uh, that I thought that I could do the fastest was to give a platform for local journalists from other papers. You know, um, one thing about the radio station that I've always just been amazed by, and this is I started working here at KCYX as a volunteer programmer in 1997 when I was uh, in my early 20s. And I did a show about local activism called Truth to Power for six, six and a half years or so. Um, and I noticed it when I did that show, too. And, and now when I'm doing Byline Mendocino is that it's a really good organizing and networking tool to just have conversations with people on the air you know like doing interviews with folks basically the thing i love about doing a radio show is that i'm always and you probably have this too i'm always looking for new material um and so it makes me um really educate myself about what's going on and who's writing stories and then i call them up and i i met a ton of local editors and reporters this way it's helped me really uh, learn about the landscape for local media here um who's doing what and what their priorities are and you know what it's like to talk with them and so that's been a terrific sort of benefit is that you know, it provides a networking tool. We get to know each other and we build trust. It's really fun to be on the radio. I really want to give them a platform. I really want to amplify their work. Um, and, and ultimately, as you said, what, what, what did I have in mind? What's the goal is for listeners to know what's going on around here. You know, that's the, so, that is the goal. I want you listeners to be informed about what's going on in Mendocino County and your communities. So with print media suffering because of the Internet, they don't have uh, their ads uh, that they used to make a lot of money from. Uh, So will you uh, get through almost all of the print media people that you speak to and then go to radio news? Um, You mean, do I speak with radio journalists, too? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And like I said, I interviewed Joe Rogalski. That was super fun. And and also because we all hear from these journalists, it's fun to hear their voices. Like Mary Callahan, I sort of fangirled. Uh, She's the Press Democrat reporter who who covers the North Coast and also does climate environment issues. And I read her stuff like every time she has an article, I, I, you know, I I read it and I I admire her work so much. And she's been doing it for, you know, almost 30 years. And then I got to actually interview her on air and i was just so tickled you know to get to to see her and and talk to her and and so i think that's that's a really fun part of byline as well um bob we have some thank yous people have been calling in on this hour oh my gosh i know great yes um so we have a thank you for jody who says politics a love story interested in evolution of the show likes it better as time goes on yeah because you've been really working you're like the most prepared interviewer i know of including terry gross you're like more prepared than terry gross okay um (laughs) um, we want to thank bob with bobby d audio uh thank you very much bob from fort bragg we want to thank craig who says bob's show is my favorite public affairs show yes I also like the idea of a news director and hope it reflects the county's diversity, including the conservatives and natives. That's awesome feedback, Craig. Thank you very much. And we want to thank Steve, 
who says, love your show, Bob. Hmm. Nice. He's not Thank alone you. there. So that brings our total for Politics a Love Story or Byline a Love Story up to $625 out of a $1,000 show goal. So we got some room now in the next wow. 18 minutes to bring that up over the $1,000 mark. And, you know, all of you who are listening, you could be a part of this as well. All of those uh, names that you just mentioned, Alicia, well, you could join in helping support and grow the station by doing what they did. KZYX.org. You are a part of this station. You're absolutely the lifeblood of this station. Uh, keeping us on the air by supporting the station. We're not beholden to any sort of, you know, big funders or, you know, big board of directors that we have to turn a profit for. None of that. This is a nonprofit model for media and it is the model of the future, although this is not a new model. Um, a lot of the, uh, the journalists and, and outlets across the country are looking at this sort of public media, public radio model because NPR and our local community stations seem to be surviving the collapse of journalism across the country. So they're really looking at us to see, oh, can you have membership, uh, member supported media models? And, and it really uh, gives us a lot of integrity because we don't have to, you know, do coverage that supports a bottom line. We just cover the stuff that meets our mission that you know informs our community keeps our community safe and entertained and um all on the air together well just going back to your opening we are listener supported community radio so uh remember that we're here for you there's one very important element in that and that is the listener and we (laughs) and to be a listener supporter, kzyx.org, to cl- and click the donate button. Get us up over that thousand dollar goal. That would be that would be a great way to to keep going here with the pledge drive. Um, to know that people really value the kind of work that you do, Bob, and the amount of uh, love and attention that you put into it. It'd just be wonderful to to hear those phones ringing. Well, let me point out what I've expressed to some of the guests that I've had when they've mentioned the fact that I seem so well prepared. And what I said was, I read your book from cover to cover. I take extensive notes because I want to honor the effort that you've put in. One author spent seven years researching her book. Uh, You want to honor that. You don't want to just read six or seven pages and then write some notes and then that's it. No, I want to make sure that they understand that what they did is an important contribution to the overall aspect of our uh, democracy. And I want to thank them for that by reading all of what they've written. Right, so not I just read, read the jacket. Well, and I find that very useful too. I, I wonder if any of our listeners find this useful. Like sometimes when you'll you'll hear something on on NPR or you'll you'll notice um, you know and maybe even on Twitter like somebody's written a new book. It's really useful to have those shows that you can go back and listen to the author talking about what they've what they've discovered. Um, and usually they really like to talk about the work that they've done and and like to go into the ins and outs. And um, one of the things that you told me that you've had happen now is that you're getting unsolicited books because the word is getting out that you are this interviewer who is really, really into the work and does does great high quality interviews. And so people are just starting to send you their books without you even asking for them. 
That's right. And that's uh, sometimes surprising when I open up the front door and there's a box uh, that I didn't order. And there are several books in there. And uh, the, the publicist is someone that I've worked with before. So uh, that's why I get them. But it's uh, it's good. I've got a, a number of things lined up for the future. So uh, stay tuned. Yeah. So what's, give us a little a little taste of foreshadowing of some of the interviews that you have coming up in the next few weeks. Okay, so there's a book about the increasing Latino and black power politically uh, that has been underutilized and that's going to possibly change things in the future. You do realize that Texas, if the uh, Latino and black communities and uh, other people of color, including Asians, were to get together and be more monolithic, Texas would not be a Republican state. There are more people that are uh, on the left and on the right, but they feel intimidated by all that's going on. That's one thing. Another one is about how monetization is really more of a problem for our, uh, our economy than is deficit spending uh, and how that works. And it'll be better explained when I speak to the author so that he could give his views as to what things are. I have one that I'm thinking about. It's about the Pollock fishing industry in Alaska. Uh, Now, you know, all of these frozen fish stick things are basically Pollock. uh, And a lot of it comes from Alaska. And there's a political aspect of this. So as far as I'm concerned, it's like the guy with a hammer, everything he sees is a nail. Well, everything I see is political. So uh, I find the political aspect in almost everything I look at. That's why politics, a love story. So in any event, those are a couple of things, and I've got more. And I've got other books that the authors have already committed to an interview, and I haven't even received the books yet. Awesome. Do you, are you so excited to dig in when you get a new book? So, uh, most of the time, yes. Occasionally, uh, and many of my books are written by academics, and it seems like for academics. So they're very dense with lots of charts and uh, the explanations are, I have to read the page six or seven times to get a full understanding of it. Other books are so well written, uh, they're not necessarily academics. I mean, they are academics, but they're not writing just for academics. It's for a wide release of the book. And Mm -hmm. so those are much easier to go through. And I really enjoy those books, especially. All right. Well, it's Alicia Bales and Bob Bashansky here, the two hosts of the Friday Public Affairs, 9 to 10 morning public affairs shows, Politics, A Love Story with Bob Bashansky and Byline Mendocino with me, Alicia Bales. We have a couple more. Thank you, Bob. Wow. Um, We want to thank Elizabeth. Elizabeth from Santa Rosa uh, for she made an online pledge. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we want to thank Kate from Ukiah who said, thank awesome staff and amazing volunteer programmers and the community for the gift of KZYX. Yeah, speaking of gifts, oh, we have one more thank you. This is Meadow from Albion, who says KZYX is one of the integral parts of our community and everyone should support it. Thanks, Meadow. Hmm. Um, Speaking of gifts, it is our 32nd birthday today. We are 32 years old. 32. Incredible. 
So uh, mm. coming up in about 10 minutes, Marty Durlin will be here for a special birthday celebration show for KZYX. I think we started at uh, no- just about noon on October 15th, 1989. So we're going to commemorate that momentous moment um, by having a two-hour birthday show uh, f- from 10 to noon today. Uh, right after Byline, a love story with you and me, Bob. Uh, and so, yeah, so happy birthday, KZYX. And what a great showing for uh, the Friday morning public affairs shows. We've had eight calls so far. We are at $885 for this hour. Wow. Yep. And we have a goal of $1,000. So we can do this with one sustaining member. If we get a new member who calls up with a $10 a month pledge, that'll be $120. And that'll take us up over 1000 So, And that's the kind of member that I am. I do the sustaining member for $10 a month. And it really is... Uh, quite low impact on my bank account. I don't notice it other than seeing it in the in the line there on the on the bank statement. So um, that would be something that would be hopefully easy for somebody to do. Go online to kcyx.org and click the donate button on our homepage. And like you, I am a sustaining member as well. So I don't have to worry whether I've uh, pledged or given money. Uh, I, it comes, as you say, very little bit out of the account every month, but at the end of the year, that's $120. Yeah, so. it really adds up. We had someone a couple of days ago who made a $100 donation and then became a sustainer for $25 a month. So both very doable oh. and um, and it added up to 400 bucks. You <laughs> know, and if we had a lot of those, um, we would be through this pledge drive. Dude, sweet. Yep, we would. Go to kzyx.org. All right. In the last few minutes here, Bob, I sure would love to hear about some of your favorite interviews from Politics, a Love Story over the last the last, you know, little while. The funny thing is, as you do the interviews and send them over to us for broadcast, it's been every single interview for maybe the last five months or so. You have told us oh my God, this is the best show I've done yet. This one was really good. I'm, it's just been the, the greatest interview yet. It was it was super. And it's, you're right. <laughs> like every one of these has just been, you know, a home run interview. So fascinating. So tell us about some of the, the greatest hits that you, that you, well, that you remember. The one last week was a pretty uh, important interview, I would believe. Lawrence Lessig is a law professor at Harvard Law and he is so well-spoken and writes so well. I really enjoyed that interview. It could have gone on longer had I thought to ask him uh, to stay tuned for a second part, as I've done with the two women with Casserel, Carcerel Khan. Uh, that's right. a, a oh, that's con game fabulous. in the prison industry. Uh, but then I've had a number of reporters that I have interviewed. Carl Hulse, who was the chief Washington correspondent for the New York Times. He and I had a great time on that interview, and I thought that was pretty good. And then I've interviewed oh, and Chuck Lane from uh, Charles Lane. He is at the Washington Post. He is an op-ed writer as well as on the editorial board. Uh, then the New York Times, I've had three or four reporters that I've interviewed. So um, I I don't uh, worry about having getting turned down. If you don't ask, you'll never get them. 
So I ask. And another one is um, Douglas Holtz Eakin. He was uh, the uh, head of the Congressional Budget Office under George W. Bush for a couple of years, a definite conservative, uh, an economist. And one of the questions I asked him on air was, does cutting taxes on the very top uh, of the uh, food chain really increase taxes coming in overall? He said, I commissioned a study that a good number of my staff were on, and the government, when they cut the taxes at the very top, only get back 30 to 50 cents on the dollar. He said, that is not true. And of course, uh, 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 Krugman, Paul Krugman from the New York Times calls that a zombie idea. It keeps on getting shot and killed and yet keeps on coming back. So, uh, yeah. I've enjoyed a lot of my interviews. Yeah, has there been anything? That's a great story. Anything else that that once you got really down to the nitty gritty and were able to ask the reporters and the journalists and the authors about it really surprised you? Well, that was one. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, now that I've done 130 or 40 interviews, uh, unless I go back and review them, it's kind of hard to remember. You know, and that's pick out- true. They kind of go by. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I have to look. I see a new author coming out with a book. And I said, wait a second. Didn't I interview her or him? Like, oh, here's another interesting one. Carol Anderson, who is uh, the chair of the African-American Studies at Emory University. I've done two of her books. Uh, The first one is One One Person, No Vote. And the other one was The Second Amendment. Uh, and so she was oh, really that good. was a and, terrific interview. Yep. Uh, another one, of course, is uh, uh, Rick Hassan, who is probably considered right. one of the top uh, election uh, experts in the country. He's at UC Irvine, and I've had him on twice as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last one was for Justice of Contradictions about uh, Antonin Scalia uh, and how. He said one thing and did something else often uh, and yet got considered to be quite consistent. And he actually wasn't. Uh, this is this, this is sounding like the anti soundbite radio. It's like we don't just traffic in little teeny phrases here and there, little sound bites with the, the least common denominator about what's going on. You delve deeply. You look and explore through all of the different wrinkles and contradictions. And it's just uh, so valuable to get to spend that kind of time with with people that are that knowledgeable. Bob, I need to tell you, we are at $945 for Politics and Love Story by Line Mendocino. Oh. Oh, oh, the board's going away. It looks like we might. Okay, they've got it turned around. Anyway, I have a thank you for Frida from Mendocino, who says new bilingual news director, Loretto. I think she has a suggestion for somebody she'd like to see in that role, Loretto Rojas. Um, we shall see. I don't know. We'll see how that hiring process goes. Um, I, I I don't know if we made our $1,000 goal, but I shall know shortly. I'm here in suspense we made it to 100 1065 yes wow. 
Thank That's you. Great. Thank you to everyone who has called in for this hour of public affairs here on KZYX. I'm Alicia Bales. I'm live in the studio with Bob Bushansky, who's on the Zoom. Anything else you'd like to let listeners know before we start to transition into our birthday show? Well, yes. First of all, I'd like to thank you for hosting the show. And secondly, for all the wonderful work you're doing, because aside from your duties as program director, you've taken on this new thing of putting all these public affairs shows on podcasts. Well, heck yeah. Well, it's not aside from my duties. It's definitely part of my duties. We're trying to reach audiences wherever we can. And I listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, and I know that a lot of folks out there enjoy and really make use of podcasts. In fact, I have to I have to thank a friend of mine, and he knows who he is. He said he would join KZYX if I started podcasting the local news. And I said, challenge accepted. Um, and the Community Foundation helped us with a grant to get everything set up for our pandemic programming. We started podcasting uh, the coronavirus update with Dr. Colfax, and that gave us the ability, they call it capacity building, it gave us the ability to podcast all of our other news and public affairs as well. So it isn't a small thing. We have to get the uh, download the shows edit them for podcast and upload them so it does take us a few hours as a staff every week eddie and i mostly focus on that um and then you can subscribe to the kzyx podcasts and they just come into your smartphone or your other devices um just like any other podcast and we're there on spotify and we're there on all the podcast platforms um and then you never have to miss one is that there's a permanent archive of all of these shows. So you can go to the podcast, you can search Politics a Love Story, and you can see, you know, the last year's worth of Politics a Love Stories and listen to every one of them as you're driving in your car or walking your dog or doing the dishes or whatever it is at your, at your leisure. And it's free. It is free. And it's free. It is free. It's not free for us, but it is free for you to subscribe. So, Bob Bashansky, thank you as well. Thank you for being on the KZYX board and volunteering your time and love doing that. And also, thank you for your tremendous work with Politics, a Love Story, and your invaluable stories and interviews that you are bringing to us every other week. And also, your your fifth Friday conversations with... Phil Worf, our local political science teacher uh, from Mendocino College. Really appreciate you doing all of this work, Bob. Two weeks from today. Two weeks from today. Yes, and I'll be I'll be back with Byline Mendocino next Friday. We're going to be talking with Reed Edelman, who's the theater uh, theater director at Mendocino College, and Ellen Weed about her work uh, doing. She does first-person plural uh, personal monologues, and she did a tremendous project at the college last weekend about COVID, and we're going to be talking about what that means to have a community-wide conversation about our experiences in COVID and how that helps us metabolize this crazy couple of years that we've we've just been through. Um, so that's going to be on Byline Mendocino next Friday, and then you'll be back in two weeks, Bob, with yep. Politics, a Love Story. Thank and you Phil so Warf. much. And Phil Worf, which is the, the fifth Friday. Awesome. Yes. All right. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM. KZYZ, Woolitz and Ukiah, 91.5 FM. And Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. 
Thanks for listening.